Welcome to the Community Church Podcast, your place to belong. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. I hope that it blesses and encourages you. All right, well, I am excited for a new year. I am uh, I'm super stoked that 2017 is here. And if you're anything like me, you're going to be the guy or the gal who writes 2016 on everything you have to date for the next three months, and then it will kick in. I've already messed that up this morning, but that's okay. 2016, what a, what a year that was. And uh, as I began to think of uh, what God wanted me to speak this morning, I shared a little bit during worship, but it was, it was really the idea of what are we going to allow to define our story? We have control of our story, which I think is actually incredible. I think that's actually incredible, and that might be a little misleading for you, but let me explain this here. So everybody has a story, and you actually get to choose what you're going to write your story with. What are the areas in your life that you get to choose to define your story? And I think it's interesting because God loves us so much, and he knows the plan that he has for our lives, and he knows the choices we're going to make before we even think of them. But I think it's interesting that his true love is actually freedom, and he still begins to give us a choice even though he knows what we're already going to choose. I think it's crazy. And sometimes it's hard to comprehend. But I want to talk about defining our story. Whoop! Don't want to kick that over. And I want, us to, uh, I want us to begin to choose the important things in life of how we're going to, the tools that we're going to use to define our story, what we're going to allow to what our life is going to be like in 2017. As much as sometimes we feel like we don't have a grip on anything, we actually have a lot of choices to make. And they're probably some of the most important decisions you'll ever make in your life, no matter how young or old you are. So the choices that you allow your story to be defined by will actually alter your life tomorrow. I believe that to be true. So we get to choose that every single day. And there's, here's are some things that define our life that are pretty simple every single day. Culture defines us. Media, educators, bosses, heroes, enemies can define us. And even our God defines us. In church, we continuously hear the phrases like, God has a plan for your life. And I talked a little bit about that. Um, and I believe that to be true. But when God has a plan for our life, that doesn't exclude the fact that we get to choose whether we want to be a part of that plan or whether we want something else to define our plan or our story. So if you've been here with us at Community the last few months, you would know um, that Jason spoke on a message um, series called Dear Me, Letters Remind Yourself. Does anybody remember that one? That was such a, a cool, interesting um, a, a set of sermons that I've never heard like before. And it really got me thinking... Um, and that's what led to defining our story, the choice that we get to make. So when we look back at 2017, one year from now, we don't have regret in the way that the choices that we made, but we're actually proud and feel like we've accomplished something. And I think the first step to getting to that place is what we choose to define our story. But before we get into that, we always do a little game here at Community, which I think is crazy Crazy fun. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite parts of church as a pastor is that we get to do a quiz, ironically. <laughs> so we're going to do a quick quiz, but we're going to do a little bit different today. Talking about defining our story, we're going to look at some definitions that were added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2016 era. A couple of them might be a little bit uh, 2015 or 14, but we're going to go for a couple of words on that. So I'm going to put up, uh, Jeff is going to put up the, the words, and we're going to go through them. And at your tables or at your rows, I want you to think of what you think the definition for that word is. And then we're going to go again, 
And I'm going to tell you what it actually is and see if you got it right or not. Before we get into it uh, today, I want you to talk at your tables and in your rows for the next 30 seconds to a minute and, and, and tell a story. What is your favorite story that you've ever had? What is your favorite story? So we're talking about defining your story, which defines some funny words. Now I want you to share a story. Uh, maybe it's from a movie, a book, TV show, a comic, an article, or anything like that. Share a story for the next minute of what is your favorite story. Go ahead. Right on. So one of my favorite stories of all time is actually from a movie back in the day. Does everybody remember Toy Story? Toy Story is my favorite story of all time. I love it so much that when I went to go see the third one, I think I watched it on Netflix after a little bit it came out, I was like in tears. I was in tears at the part where, there, has anybody seen Toy Story 3, number 3? The part where they're going down and, and basically in like this garbage chute that's going to burn them alive. And, but they're only toys, but they're kind of human at the same time. I was like crying. I'm like, no, Woody, Buzz, you can't die. There needs to be Toy Story 4. And I love Toy Story so much that when I was a kid, I actually wrote Andy on the bottom of my shoes. <laughs> All the time. I had so many pairs of shoes that had Andy on the bottom. So much I love Toy Story. And our story is important, and I want to talk to you uh, about a quick story of uh, when I was in college, so just a couple of years ago. I had these two friends, and my, my friends were named Dom and Sam. And I just want to give a shout out to anybody in the room named Dom and Sam, because from my knowledge, anybody named Dom and Sam that is my friend is crazy. You're completely nuts. So if your name is Dom or Sam, I love you, but I know that you're crazy on the inside. And Dom and Sam, they are, uh, they are the guys that, um, they love God. They love Jesus. I have a great friendship with them. But um, if I'm kind of like this too, but they are way more like this to throw them under the bus. They, they are t- uh, two of my friends that would always cross the line. So if this was a line, they were like way out here. With no question. They, they don't even see a line, to be honest. So, and in that kind of sense, it's more of being funny and doing pranks and stuff when you're at school. So these guys always were up to no good and were always in trouble and in the office. And at my school, when you kind of broke a, a rule, you actually had to pay a fine. So <laughs> it actually costed you money to be bad, which is crazy. So, of course, we were all broke all the time. So Dom and Sam were crazy guys. They, they took stuff way too far. And I don't really want to share the stuff that they did because not all of it is extremely appropriate for church. But Dom and Sam, what they did, and maybe they'll listen to the podcast. I don't know. And they might not be my friends anymore. But basically, Dom and Sam, we were always getting in trouble. And these were two of my best friends at school. So I was automatically acquainted with them. And, uh, and, and Dom and Sam were up to no good one weekend, and what I used to do in college was we were part of what was called travel team. And a travel team is where we would go to a bunch of churches around Ontario. A lot of the time it was smaller northern churches um, that maybe didn't have a big staff or enough volunteers, and we would help run a kids program or lead worship or speak um, for free, for completely free. We got nothing out of it. Um, to be honest, we, we just devoted our time and our money to do that kind of stuff, um, and, it, and it was an amazing time. So I am in, I believe I'm in Strathroy this weekend, and in Strathroy, I'm leading worship, and I'm sitting in the service in one of the pews, and I get an email from this lady named Sue, and Sue was kind of the person that was either your best friend or your worst enemy, and she was just a nice, sweet old lady, but if you were on her bad side, like, you know you were going to be in the negatives in your bank account. So Sue... Um, sent me an email and said, hey, Carlo, um, before class um, at, on Monday morning, and this was a Sunday, um, just want you to come into my office and talk about what you guys did this weekend. Thought it was really inappropriate. And I was like, 
oh, did I sing a song bad? Did my voice crack? Or, or what happened? What did I do that was so bad? And I was just nervous the whole entire time. I couldn't sleep. I was like, I can't afford to pay another fine. I've already gotten in trouble 30 times this year. So Dom and Sam are in there. I come in and sit down, and they're kind of like weirded out why I'm there. But basically, whoever kind of ratted them out on what they did to get them in trouble, I was automatically associated with that. So I'm not even in the building, nor am I in the same city. I'm actually on the other side of the province, pretty much, because it's in Peterborough. And, I, and they're like, Sue's like, Dom, Sam, Carlo, you guys are in so much trouble. I'm like, for what? What did I do? And they're like, well, you know what you did this weekend? And she explains it. I'm like, I wasn't even here. I was not even here. So I ended up, anyways, long story short, I ended up getting in trouble for something that I wasn't there. My story started to be defined by the people and the culture that I associated myself with. And don't get me wrong, I love those guys, and I, they're my best friends for, for life. But it's just a funny story to talk about it. And before we get into it today, um, I want to talk about a, a, a quick scripture. And we're going to, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. And on the screen, I'm actually going to have the message version, which I think a lot of times is underrated, but it's very easy a, a, to understand and comprehend. So just some um, context of what we're talking about. Does everybody know who John is? Have you ever heard of John? John the Baptist. John was cousin of Jesus, but we're going to focus on his parents today, and their names were Zechariah and Elizabeth. So we're going to read Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. It might be 24 on the screen. Yeah, verse 24. So let's go ahead. During the rule of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest assigned in service, assigned service in the regiment of Abijah. Cool city to be in. His name was Zechariah. His wife was a descendant from the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Together they lived honorably before God, careful in keeping to the ways of the commandments and enjoying a clear conscience before God. That's a key part. Remember that. But they were childless because Elizabeth could never conceive, and now they were quite old. It so happened that Zechariah was carrying out his priestly duties before God, working the shift assigned to his regiment, and it came his turn his one turn in life to enter the sanctuary of God to burn incense. It was just a form of worship in their day. The congregation was gathered and praying outside the temple at the hour of the incense offering. Unannounced, an angel of God appeared just to the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was paralyzed in fear. But the angel reassured him, don't fear, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Elizabeth, your wife, will bear you a son. You are to name him John. This sounds a lot like the birth of Jesus. You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy. You're going to leap like a gazelle for joy. That's interesting. <laughs> and not only you, but many will delight in his birth and achieve great stature with God. He'll neither drink wine nor beer. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment he leaves his mother's womb. He will turn many sons and daughters of Israel back to their God. He were, I always mess this word up. He, were, he will herald God's arrival in the style of strength of Elijah and soften the hearts of chil- parents to children and kindle devout understanding among hardened skeptics. He'll get the people ready for God. And if you know John's story, that's exactly what he did. He paved the way for Jesus. But the angel said, I am Gabriel. I'm oh, sorry, I missed my place. Zechariah said to the angel, did you expect me to believe what you just said? I am an old man, but, and my wife is an old woman, an old woman. But the angel said, I am Gabriel, sent from God, sent especially to bring you this glad news. But because you won't believe me, you'll be unable to say a word until the day of your son's birth. Every word I've spoken to you will come true on time. God's time. Meanwhile, the congregation waiting for Zechariah was restless, wondering what was keeping him so long in the sanctuary. When he came out and couldn't speak, they knew that he had seen a vision. He continued speechless and had to use sign language with the people. 
that would be extremely hard. When the course of his priestly assignment was completed, he went back home. It wasn't long before his wife, Elizabeth, conceived. She went off by herself for five months, relishing her pregnancy. So this is how God acts to remedy my unfortunate condition, she asked. When I look at my life and I think about what have influenced me to make certain decisions, I believe that there are primarily three areas, and this might be the same for you, and there's, there's probably some more than just these three, but these are three main areas that I think I have chosen to define my story over time. And the first one I want to talk about is circumstance. Letting our circumstance define our story. Is that the best thing to do? Is that not the best thing to do? Is it okay in some certain, way, some certain situations? And I just want to tell you a quick story about um, when I allowed circumstance to define my story. I was in my second year of college, and I've shared this with you before, but the day before I went to school, uh, or sorry, the, the day after I went to school, so if I started on September 1st, I don't remember the date, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, lung cancer that summer, and uh, that was extremely hard, but his surgery to remove the tumor from his lung was the next day after I left for school. So imagine packing your bags, and, you know, I didn't have a car at that time, so transiting home was a pretty big deal, and it, if you've ever taken the GO train, you know it's expensive to go basically the, the entire Lakeshore West East Way, and then up to Peterborough, it's, a, it's about 30 bucks each way, so it cost me 60 bucks just to come home on the weekend, and, and, and it was crazy. Being a student, if you're a student in the room, I, I remember and understand your pain <laughs> of, of traveling and, and the amount that you had to go through with school, but imagine packing your bags and then a parent or a close one to you is diagnosed with cancer, and you leave, and the next morning, like hours apart, they go in for surgery, and you can't be there. You can't be there to support them. You can't be there to bring them or pick them up. Um, you, you, they, they can't really talk on the phone because they're probably really drugged up. That, that was my situation. That was my circumstance. And I was beginning to allow my circumstance to define my story. And I can tell you right now that... Um, I grew during that time immensely, um, but there was times where I, I felt like I was probably at my lowest. I was probably at, at one of the points of my lowest life, like kind of in that um, young adult college area, and uh, it was extremely hard. I don't really know how to put it into words for you, but basically when I allowed my circumstances to find my story, my circumstances, my dad has cancer, and I can't even be with him, but I'm training at school to be a pastor and a leader. How am I supposed to be a good leader if I can't even love my family? And I was throwing this weight on my shoulder that didn't make any sense, but if you've ever been in a position like me or know that someone's been in a position like that, you understand that you can trick yourself into believing those kinds of tr uh, lies. In the same way, I actually think that Zachariah was in a, uh, a similar situation. He actually began to let his circumstance define his story and his future. And w what's interesting is that his circumstance and, and letting those lies be over him that, you know, he won't have a family, he can't do it because uh, of, of the age he's at and all that kind of stuff, is that he rather would choose that than to believe the promise that God sent through an angel to him. And sometimes in our life, and in my life a lot, I'm in the same boat, is that I actually be begin to leave the lies of what my circumstance tells me because sometimes it's way easier to believe that than to believe the promise that I read in God's Word. For years, Zachariah tried to have a family, and he was a bit of a doubter, but kind of rightfully in his case here. And scientifically, it, it kind of seemed impossible to him, and the odds of him being able to have a family with his wife were kind of against him. I want to read a quick scripture. This is Matthew 17, 20. 
says this, because you are not taking God seriously, Jesus said, the simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a poppy seed, you would tell this mountain to move and it would move. There's nothing you wouldn't be able to tackle. This is what I understand. And this is, this is an important part. So if you're a person that takes notes or wants to tweet something, YOLO, or uh, wants to write something down, just remember this. Even the smallest amount of your faith in Jesus is the biggest doubt or sorry, even the smallest amount in your faith is stronger than the enemy's biggest doubt over your life, which is sometimes extremely hard to believe, but that is true. The smallest amount of faith that you have, poppy seed size, is enough to move a mountain with God's power. Your smallest faith is bigger than your, is stronger than your biggest doubt. So I want you to remember that. Letting our circumstances define our story is a lot easier than letting God's truth because it's constantly what's happening every single day. It's a natural part of your life. It's way more easy to put your faith and trust into something that you can see all the time rather than something you might not have a way right away or that you need to wait for. And in Zachariah's case, it was a baby, a family. And I don't want to get into the argument of like science versus religion or all that kind of stuff because I actually think they pair really nice together, to, nicely together when you do your research. But what I want to do say about um, scientific truth is that it is not bigger than who God is. There are unbelievable miracles and stories that I've been able to share with people that make no sense when it comes to science, when you put that in a box. And I've, I believe it because I've seen it with my eyes. And I know that some of you in this room know stories. You need to share it with people of God's truth that has been bigger than the scientific fact. What doesn't make this any easier, too, is this, uh, this part in the, in the Scripture. Zechariah and his wife, they're described as this. They were described as blameless before the Lord which refers to them as being people who practiced and followed the law. So when I imagine Zechariah and Elizabeth's life, they spent their whole life uh, uh, reading and memorizing Scripture. They spent time with Jesus or time with God. They, they prayed. They probably served. He had his time to go into um, the temple and burn incense and worship. He was, he was able to do all these things that he, he, he was doing. Like he was doing the Christian thing. He was doing the church thing. But still there was no miracle in his life. This is where the difference between religion and relationship exists, I believe, which you know. We can participate in church. We can read our Bibles and serve, which are all incredibly important things. But simultaneously, we can miss all the great things like relationship and drift away from God's definition of our story. So you can come to church every single weekend, which I think is really good. But at the same time, if there's no relationship there, you can miss out on that. So first off, I don't think we're, our, our story can be defined by our circumstance. I don't think that's fair. Second, I think, is uh, people. Do we allow people to define our circumstance? And I'll just give you the quick short answer. It's yes, no. <laughs> it's yes, no. It's both. Do we allow people to define our circumstance? Yes and no. We need to do both. The moment that we're born into this world, we're actually defined by a name, by a family, by teachers, bosses, and supervisors. We're defined by friends and enemies and even ourselves. The main influence of how can our story can be defined can sometimes be people and the people we surround ourselves with. On the good side, this could be friends and families. It could be pastors, mentors, people who take time to invest in you and have the best interest for your life. They can speak life into you and encouragement, but there's a lot of times where it's the opposite, where people speak lies 
and they hurt you, and they've said things that have hurt you that have, have, you've held a grudge for for so long, or that have been a part of you. And that's what I mean by when we allow people to define our circumstance. They say something about you that's not true, but it's been, so mu- it's been said so much in your life that you actually begin to believe it. And my life is actually a testimony of that. When I was graduating high school, which was, to be honest, and ex- I don't like talking about because I don't like remembering those days, but it was extremely hard for me. Um, I, I, it wasn't that I struggled in school with grades and stuff like that, um, but I just didn't have very, very many good people around me. And I began to believe lies that people spoke over me, even educators, which was extremely hard. And uh, I basically dropped out in grade 12, and I decided that I was just going to work and do that kind of thing. And, and, and long story short, people spoke death over me in a sense. They're like, yeah, you're probably not going to be able to go into college. Uh, you skip school too much. That one's my fault. And you, you're, you're not be able to meet the standard that's a requirement for being a 15 or 16-year-old boy. And I was like, oh, wow, that makes me feel like nothing. And, you know, it wasn't said exactly in those words, but I had people speak lies and, and death over me to the point where I started to believe it. And then I was, I think I was in grade 11. I went to, uh, I went to a winter retreat um, very much like uh, Road Trip Sunday and kind of that stuff we do at church, but it was for youth group. And I remember the, the worship leader there, I, I don't exactly remember his name, but he, he spoke a, pr- a prophetic word over my life, um, which uh, I, I, I still am figuring out what, what exactly does that mean. But this prophetic word said this, and I've shared some of this story too, is that one day, Carlo, you're going to sing songs, you're going to write songs, and then all your friends and family that don't come to church are going to come and do that. But not for the sake of you singing a song or them just appreciating you or clapping you or you playing guitar or all this kind of stuff because it's not about you. But I'm going to use you as a tool with purpose to actually see other people around you come into a relationship with me because they won't show up to church. And I was like, whoa. That guy spoke that over me. And I was like, 15 years old is incredible. What did I do the next, the, the next, next few months? I was able to start a band with my friends. We got to play at Sound of Music in Burlington. We got to play um, numerous, like, musical contests and stuff like that. Long story short, one of my best friends, his name's Danny, um, would never probably come to church. And it's not that he was, like, a bad guy or anything like that, but um, it just wasn't for him. He came up to a concert, kind of heard the good news through a testimony and a song in a kind of irregular way. And long story short, he's now a worship leader at a church plant in uh, Binbrook which is just past Hamilton. I think that's incredible. And when I look at that and I look at Danny's life, I'm like, whoa, that prophetic word was actually true. And he's just one of many people that's that worked out for. So the yes, no is we got to say no to the people that define our lives that speak death. But we got to say yes to the people that speak life into us. And I just want to, I want to encourage you that if you don't have a person you meet in any way, you text them, you call them, you Skype them, and you just pigeon mail them, whatever, whatever is the best option for you. If you don't have somebody that is encouraging you and speaking life into you, like weekly, you need to get that. That's important. We're made to be 100,000% in relationship with God and each other. We're not meant to do life on our own, right? So if you don't have somebody that speaks into your life, you need to have somebody that speaks into your life. Every Tuesday or Monday morning, I sit down with Jason, and not just because he makes me, <laughs> but um, I actually enjoy it because he uh, critiques me in a good way. He trains me to be a better leader. He uh, pastors me. He listens to me. He prays for me. He encourages me, and he corrects me. Jason's just one of many people that I have that, that I have that do that. My friend Mike, who's actually the pastor of that church in Binbrook, I probably see once a month, and we 
skateboard and be kids like we did when we were growing up, and he just speaks life into me. If you don't have a person in your life that is encouraging you, and this it doesn't even need to be somebody that's older. It could be somebody that's younger. Young people have a lot to offer. I think that's really important. So make sure you get one of those people. And if you can't figure that out, send me an email, and I will encourage you because I would love to do that. Can't let circumstance define our story. We can let people define our story. But the, th- I, the third thing, and this, this is going to be a little bit irregular for church, so, so bear, bear with me, but I really need your help on this last point. I want us to understand God's definition of us, and I understand that this is going to push some of you out of your comfort zone, but I, I, I need you to help me with this. I mentioned before that church um, says a lot that God has planned for your life, and this can become a little bit redundant at times, and we might not have clarity on this plan. I want to share with you a few scriptures of who God calls us to be and what he believes us uh, believes us as and defines our story as. So well, I'm going to put some scripture up on the screen. And I need, I think there's 10 there. I need 10 people to help me read this out. Because as much as I want to read this scripture over you as your pastor, I actually believe that when you begin to do it for yourself, it's going to change your life a lot more than me just reading the Bible to you. So I want us to actually, as a church, read scripture over each other, if that makes sense. That's so good. When we begin to actually declare scripture and truth and promise over our life, all I can, all I can say is yes and amen. That's why we sang that song this morning. The promises of God and the truth over your life, the more that you begin to do that, the more it's be actually going to become true to you. When you, be, when you start to, st- when, when you complain about the things in your life and you say that, oh, I'm, I'm really worried about this, the more you're going to be worried about it. The more that you say, I don't like that, the more you're not going to like it. And I, it, it's funny because the opposite way, when you say, oh, I'm going to try and like that, I like that. It's way harder to do that or to become okay with something. But when you, be, when you, um, declare promise and truth and scripture over your life like we just did as a church, which I know is awkward and whatever, we can get past that. I just want to thank you for doing that because I think that's amazing. I can do as much as you want. Jason can do as much as you want for you. Your relationship with God is based on you and what you want to do. So what I think is that we can't let circumstance define our story. What's your story going to look like in 2017? Is it going to be the same as 2016? Is it going to be different? What tools and what, what are you going to allow to define your story? Is it going to be your circumstance? Because you're, you're going to find yourself in the pl- same place that you already were. Is it going to the, be the people that have spoken lies over you your whole life? Or do you need to find some people that are going to speak encouragement into you? And are you going to allow God to define your story just as we read? This is 10 out of all of them. The whole Bible is an encouragement to our story. So what, let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this church. I thank you for my friends and family. God, I pray that we wouldn't allow circumstance and people that speak death over us to define what our story is going to be like for this next year in 2017. But Jesus, would we believe that your promise and your truth is real? Will we begin to practice to speak that over each other and ourselves and watch it transform our lives? With just... with heads bowed and eyes closed, and we don't do that for the sake of just tradition, but it's just to respect your neighbor. If you're in the house today, if you're at church this morning, and you say, Carlo, you know, uh, there's been areas in my life, and I've, I've just, I, I, unfortunately, I've been choosing to allow my circumstance to define my story, but I don't want that anymore. I want God to define my story. Could you just slip me up a quick hand? Just a quick hand. Yeah, that's good. Lots of people. 
If you're in the house and you've had people speak death over you and they've spoken lies over you to the point where you actually began to believe those things and you became those things because of it, but you don't want that anymore and you just want, you just want some encouragement. I want to encourage you this morning. Would you, just, would you just slip up your hand? Yeah, lots of people. That's good. And then if you're in the house and, and, and you want 2017, your story of this next year to be defined by God's promise and truth, would, would you just one more time slip up your hand for me? Yeah, so many people, so many people. That's so good. Let's pray. Jesus, I, I thank you for my friends and family. God, I pray that they would be encouraged today, that their circumstance in 2017 would, would not stop them from growing, would not stop them from being the person you created them to be. Father, you see each one of us as holy and blameless, even in our worst moments. God, your grace is like nothing we can understand, and your love is so far, um, far, far bigger than we can imagine. So God, I just pray that you'd be with each one here that 2017 would be a new year and a new year for you that would be refreshed, God, and that you would be praised and honored in everything we do. Say amen. That's awesome. And if, uh, if you want some prayer, I'm going to be up here, and I would love to pray with you and encourage you. If not, I hope that you have an amazing start to your new year. I think it's going to be an awesome year. So be blessed this morning, this afternoon. Eat some good food. Drink some coffee. Take a nap. If you need to take a nap, you deserve a nap. So make sure you take a nap. It's going to be good. Jason and Carla will be back on, uh, on Sunday, so come and join us at 9 o'clock and 11, 11 o'clock. 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock. We're going community old school. We'll meet you back here then. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening in to this week's message. Be sure to follow us on all social media to stay updated with everything Community Church. Also check us out at www.communitychurch.ca.